We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose Andrews Podcast. This is episode 199 of the pod. That means one thing. Pound the mailbag. Mail Pound the mailbag. It is a mailbag extravaganza, episode 200. We have uh, a, a number of them, uh, not satisfactory by any means. So We're never hashtag, satisfied with the amount of mailbags we have. We hashtag, always want more. Hashtag pound the mailbag. You have six days to do so. We're going to get the best mailbag questions that we receive, and frankly, probably all the mailbag questions that we receive into episode 200. Send those questions. Uh, keep them above board, uh, if you will. We've received some that just can't make it to air. Uh Looking, looking at Chicago's mayor. That, that, that's who we're looking at right now. But um, Matt, we got we got a podcast to do this week as well. We do. Episode one ninety nine. You can't get to two hundred without one ninety nine. People do. We just actually we're just going to come on here, say hello, and then that was episode that 199. Was that's one ninety nine. We'll see you guys for two hundred for episode two hundred. Wow. Uh, well, episode episode one ninety eight was in some ways AT's episode. We were just kind of like. Just kind of advancing this thing to 200. That's all we're doing here. 198 was fine. Did you, did you tune into 198? 198 was, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, after after the full, I, to be honest with you, no. I didn't think full, so. I probably, I wouldn't the, have either. It was, if, if I were you, you were on vacation, you were distracted. I was drunk was in the fun. desert for seven days. That's or very okay. Five days. So, um, uh, I, the 198 lives in my brain as Sad Joe sitting on the floor in the studio talking we, about we Andy had, Dalton, but I don't had, want to go back there. We had a great White Sox preview and then a whole lot of missed NCAA tournament picks. So, yes. half and half were good. Fantastic. How was the trip? Uh, nice trip was great. Drunk for seven days, but other than that, how do we do? How do we, trip I, was fantastic. I, I do uh, want to credit you. I, I called. I, I said I wanted eighty-eight. As eighty-eight as the, as the, the average. Podcast. I want to honor man, the, man. Man, did the kid make a run at it? You did, that. and I, I appreciate you sent me the screenshot with all the listed scores. You made a run at it. What, what was that? Eighty-two on your last round, but you, you yep. finished one like eighty-eight point seven was kind of your average, just above that eighty-eight I, number. I was I was unaware of what I needed the final day to get to the average 88. I knew I needed something low. Um, if I would have known that my putt on 18, my final hole, I mean, it probably wouldn't have, the outcome wouldn't have been any different, but I would have hit 88 on the head if I would have shot 81 in the final round. And I did have a putt from like 15 feet for 81 that I just burned the edge on. Mm. Burned a ton of edges over the trip. Loved the way I was rolling the rock, but we went 93, 86, 92, 88, 82. And very happy with the way we played. Very happy to have played with the boys. Go out there and see your guys. That was that was the goal of the trip. Was just to you know get amongst it with the fellas. Oh so, yeah. Uh, trip was a big win. Not mad where the game's at right now. Did battle the seventy yard, like seventy to six, seventy to like fifty yard area. Just see, but that, that's to, yeah, that's understandable because that well, that's a feel shot too. And if you haven't been hitting that shot all the time, that's one that I comes did not to have the feel. That's that's one that and, comes to you when you're you're swinging the golf club, you know, every other day, and you're swinging a lot and you're hitting that shot a lot. That's you know, you know what I had to feel for. Back for me. I had the feel for the hot no for the hosel. I was finding the hosel oh, driving from seventy okay. yards. Um, no, drove the ball how's, really well. How was the driving uh, iron? That, that's the driving iron's broken. The driving iron is out of the bag right now. The wow, driving iron would have been great your to have in the club. bag. 
Um, driving irons like exploded at the neck and gave me a graphite sliver at the end of Ooh, last season. But that's, but the that's worst. a conversation for another day. Like literally struck it perfectly in the center of the face, but sounded weird. I club twirl it down, and as I oh, club no. twirl it down, it just stabbed me in the hand. I was like, "Well, that club's broken, and so is my hand." Oh, um, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, I, just in terms of my chip yips or, or, or my uh, the chips, my wet my wedge yips. Um, what I loved about it was battled it for three days, battled it for four rounds over those three days, still scored decently, and then came out Sunday or Saturday, last day of the trip. And I swear to God, I had probably seven or eight chances from 100 yards to 50 yards and played unbelievable from there. Like, figured it out. Like, just started committing to the shots. The and like, Hence the 82, like, found it. Just absolutely found it. And it felt really good to get on the plane having – I, I didn't bring the, those yips home with me. Um, so that was good. Played well off the tee. Driver was in play. Uh, Three-wood hybrid obviously was a more controlled play that I probably should have gone to a little bit more often because there's nowhere to miss it in the desert. A lot oh, of, yeah, it's wild. I, I'd say of the five rounds that we played, um, no, 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 I'm saying there's nowhere to miss it in terms of it's target golf. Like oh, okay, there's not okay, really, okay. there's not really, there's like fairway, a little bit of second cut, and then you are in waste area, desert, cactus, rocks, like unplayable almost. Um, at a number of the courses that we played, we played, I, I'd, I'd identify the five courses as luxury courses, um, in terms of price point and in terms of what you were getting from the course. Um, so, you know, they, they were challenging courses. They were, these were not any layups. We played TPC Scottsdale, the champions course. We played both 18s at, uh, Verado golf club, which was unbelievable. One was like blown out of a quarry and rocks everywhere. And the other one was a little bit more traditional, but still your target golf. Mm-hmm. Um, we played, um, if you forgive me here on Saturday, we played Eagle mountain, uh, Jeff Johnson, friend of the podcast home course, which was unbelievable, had some nice forgiving funnels on some tee shots. That was probably the most forgiving course off the tee. And we played dinosaur mountain, which was literally in the mountains. You better be on the fairway or you're praying to Jesus to be sweet baby Jesus. Um, people forget I hit the fairway off a mountain once. You did hit in, in Palm Springs. I'd say, okay, so that. to kind of draw a parallel here, very reminiscent of Palm Springs okay. golf, um, maybe even a little tighter, uh, the places that we played. I, I, I couldn't recommend it enough, but you got to be ready for target golf if you're heading out to AZ. It, it, it just is what it is. Well, um, we'll, so. we'll, maybe, we'll maybe get to a course review at some point in the future, but give me give me a favorite stop. you got to pick one. <sighs> Scenic wise, Dinosaur Mountain um, was hell of a absolute, Dinosaur absolutely. Mountain. Well, you're you're set at the foot of the Dinosaur Mountain oh, well, in Arizona. Work. It's a mountain that looks like kind of like a brontosaurus, has like a big back to it, so they call it Dinosaur Mountain. Um, you're set at the foot of that. You get a bunch of looks at it. Um, and it was also the site of a uh, friend of the podcast, John Lewis's Hole in One. We had a hole say, in one. Witnessed the, trip, the Hole in One, which is an absolute trip maker. Um, John Lewis. 187 yards downhill par three. So we saw the whole thing happen. He absolutely pures one up there. Uh, I believe he hit seven iron, um, pures one to the back of the green that just kind of sat there for a second and then took the ridge it needed to. And we, it, so it, it, from the time it hit the green to the time it went in the cup, it was probably about 10 seconds. So we're just yelling at it, go, go. Go and it's just tracking at it, tracking at it, and then it hit that like okay, it's it's a foot away, and we're all holding our breaths. It's I swear is to it God, gonna go? It dies into the hole, like it disappears on its last rotation. Four clubs up in the air. We're, we we so the foursome was me, uh, Randy, 
John Lewis and Brian Sen. And we, everyone's running around. We go into a four man hug jump circle screaming. It was perfect in the sense too, that, um, our other foursome was out in front of us looking down at the green. So once we went nuts, they knew something had happened. Mm -hmm. So they started going crazy. The foursome behind us was on the green visible to the green. Like it had an amphitheater feel. We were also in like kind of a residential neighborhood for this hole. So people were in their backyards whistling and clapping. It was like a mini gallery for this moment. It was, there you go. it was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of on a golf course. Uh, hat tip to John Lewis. Man has played thousands of rounds of golf in his life. Never had a hole in one until last summer and now he has two in 310 days so the kids on a heater uh they're coming in bunches right now people also forget i had to step to the tee after this yeah, how'd you uh, do thin, thinned one up there right at the pin about 20 feet short made the birdie putt no one remembered it it's a circle on so, the card and it's like nothing ever happened so thinned one up there you kind of you, you kind of missed it and got lucky a little bit that it, it took yes. the right oh my, my knees okay. I, my knees were shaking i felt like it was the opening tee shot of the rider cup there's no I'm, I'm, there's no following that up I'm literally like sucking wind, knees are knocking, and just like keep this one, like find green grass here. And again, don't nowhere to miss ball. it because we're in the desert. Um, Got to say, did, did lose a couple of the, uh, the Alabama tailor-mades out there, but um, you know, we donated a few of those to the course, but they played, they, they played fantastic. Um, I all lost in a all, bunch of Joe's balls in Palm Springs. There you go. There you go. All in all, yeah, a great trip, uh, you know, a golf trip with the boys that – that lives up to all the hype that we, that we, you know, a, a big part of the golf trip is the anticipation leading up to, and this one far and beyond exceeded said anticipation had an absolute blast. Um, if you're looking for recommendations to go back to your initial question, dinosaur golf is a dinosaur mountain is a can't miss golf course uh, in terms of views. I shot my round of the trip at Eagle mountain. I'd say that one was, I mean, forgiving is a relative term here and relative to what we played. I, mm -hmm. I think I'd say it was the most forgiving, um, but still scenic is all get out and probably the most fun I had out there because I wasn't battling the yips. Now I, I, I want to ask about the last part about the trip too, because I think on that last day, did you guys not go see some spring training baseball? Uh, I went and saw spring training. Yeah, you did. We, we, a, a group Who'd we went, see? Group we went, the Royals, uh, I'm assuming, asleep. for, for It was Royals, Royals Diamondbacks. We saw Nikki Lowe uh, flash some lev, had an absolute blast at the stadium. But we also saw uh, one Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey with their girlfriends. Mahomes was brought, they had a big group up in a box um, that they were hard to miss uh, having a good time, it looked like. So uh, rubbing, elbows, rubbing elbows with a couple of uh, Yeah, you were right members. there with them. That's pretty sweet. Uh, no, we were, we were hundreds of guys, feet away from you, that. Just you guys, you, Mahomes, and Kelsey. It's nice. I think Mahomes, I, I believe Mahomes isn't he part owner of the Diamondbacks. I think that's no, why Royals. he was there. I think he, Royals. Royals. Oh, he's yeah. a, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Minority owner Minority of the Royals. Royals. So, Kansas um, so City. he was there. Yes, yes, yes. That that makes complete sense. But uh, I, I don't think uh, they were all too interested in the baseball. It looked like they were getting yeah, that after, right. getting after it up there. But um, no. So we saw a little spring training baseball. Yeah, just just an absolutely fantastic trip. Um, yeah, that 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 was the that was the Arizona golf trip. Uh, everybody made it back alive. Went out, did a little partying, had a little post COVID feel to it. Um, we all stayed, we all stayed safe. We all stayed masked. We all, there's all crazy rules that you got to stay seated at tables and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but it was good to get out, get a little fresh air, be, be amongst it. Um, have some drinks out in the wild, which it's been, a, it's been a moment. Been a little bit. Uh, yeah. Before, before we've done that or since we've done that. But yeah, I uh, don't want to take up the full pot here talking about what was an amazing golf trip, but, uh, that's, if there's uh, if there's one thing we do well on this podcast, uh, it's 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 golf talk and golf we, trip we, talk. I think everybody likes a good golf trip talk. We 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 we, re, 
we recap uh, golf trips quite well here. I'm looking forward to the next one, whenever that might be. Uh, but we do have some things to talk about here on the pod, non-us related, Matt. Uh, Unfortunately. The NCAA tournament, all the craziness that's ensued. It is the highest seed total number in the history of the tournament uh, since it expanded in 1975 in NCAA tournament history. So the number of, if you added up all the seed numbers here in the Sweet 16, highest it's ever been in the history of the tournament, it just outlines the parity that we saw in the first week. What was, I guess, uh, Oral Roberts is obviously the biggest jump out surprise. Don't mm-hmm. expect them to be here. Other than that, is there any, is there one of those, you know, Oregon State maybe, or you got an 11 Syracuse, 11 UCLA. Is there, is there a team that you're like, wow, I did not see that coming? UCLA. UCLA and really the Pac-12 as a whole. The Pac-12 moves four teams into the Sweet 16, and I didn't think, like if you asked me before the tournament how many Pac-12 teams make the second weekend, I might have told you one with I mean, USC. they're just commonly seen as like the worst Power 5 basketball conference, and like nobody really gives them respect. They're just going and, out here and blowing teams out. And what we've seen here is it, it comes down, it doesn't matter what level of basketball you're at, it comes down to guard play and length. And they there's... Whether it be Oregon, USC, I mean, Colorado suffered their loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon State has really come out of nowhere, like you said. UCLA was in a play-in game, and they're in the Sweet 16. I think it's been length and guard play that has been the common denominator to all these Pac-12 teams, where when you look at the Big Ten, who severely underperformed with, what was it, nine teams in the field and only one moving on, yeah. um, it's that traditional inside-out, hang him and bang him, throw it into the post to Luca Garza, let him hit a turnaround jumper. Like it just doesn't produce the speed and scoring that you need at this point of the year. Like I think that having just seen conference schedules and just seen the big 10 play the big 10 and kind of cannibalize itself, mm-hmm. those matchups make them look way more prepared maybe than they were like Illinois is the biggest disappointment because they do have length. They do have guard play. They do have speed. That that is inexplicable to me. Yeah, it's a tough draw, and you got to play Loyola, but that's sad to me. Um, Michigan's moving on. They're kind of a slow team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa was expected kind of a slow team. Ohio State kind of a slow team. So I, I, while I'm surprised, it makes sense. It, it really does make sense to me that you get to tournament time, you find a team that's going to run the court on you, and you just can't keep pace with them. Um, it's sad to see what has happened being Big Ten guys here, but that's been the biggest surprise weekend one is just the Pac-12 success to me. Yeah, I just, uh, mainly going back to that U of I game, I mean, they were the one team that kind of fits that billing of what you were describing of of all these teams that have kind of advanced have as they had the speed, they had the length. It seemed like with Loyola, Chicago, they just kind of got punched. I don't know how much of that game you watched. They kind of got punched in the mouth early and never really got up from it, It was which is odd because they, they, they... in that conference, granted, like you're saying, maybe some of those teams you overvalued because they're beating each other up, but they fought through a lot of adversity. They had a lot of tough matchups. It, they, it's not like they hadn't been punched in the mouth before. I mean, Big Ten basketball, whether it's great or not, they're going to play physical. They're going to come out strong, whatever. But they again, punched in the mouth before, and they just, they just didn't get up. But again, you get punched in the mouth, mouth in the Big Ten. You can stay in your high screen and roll, yeah. Kofi Cobra. You'll be fine. Loyola's throwing, Loyola's throwing traps at you. They're meeting the screen 10 feet above the three-point arc. Like, credit to Porter Moser because he out-coached Brad Underwood. He coached circles oh, around Brad Underwood close. in that game. Like, 
Brad Underwood, the high screen roll's not working. Maybe let's get into a different look. Maybe mm-hmm. let's give our guys a different chance because how many times can Iodasumu get stripped trying to run a congested high pick and roll? Like it, it was just like confusing almost their unwillingness to alter the game plan at any point. And to me, at least altering the game plan would allow them to uh, continue the metaphor here, get up off the mat after getting punched in the mouth. We never saw that. It was just, it was a runaway by a a team and some players and some guys who appeared to have a bigger chip on their shoulder. And I don't know if it was that storyline of, Hey, you of I never recruited me. It's us versus Mm -hmm. these guys who thought we were less than man. Loyola Chicago is a team with a ton of tournament uh, experience you put a chip on their shoulder and a battery in their back and you find yourself down 12 and you're going to stay there. Um, yeah, it was but, impressive. All, all the credit in the world to the Ramblers. I mean, I was, it was four, three years ago, four years ago, they made that run to the final four. They they, have, they still have some experience, obviously, on this team from that group with, with Cam Crutwig mainly. But you talk to a lot of I, – I work with a guy who went to Loyola. You talk to people who watch, you know, Loyola basketball or the uh, MVC um, basketball a lot, like – They'll tell you this Loyola team is better than the, the. Obviously, that one went to the Final Four. If you, if you put the two teams up against it, they'll tell you this one's probably the better basketball team. Yeah, and that's that's a credit to how Porter, Porter Moser has recruited using that trip to recruit and then coaching up the guys that he still has. Um, they are, I think, we're heading into that matchup. The number eight team ranked in in the Ken Palm rankings, which is like essentially true data driven. Like these are the best teams in college basketball. Um, and I, I do. I would have to believe they're ahead of that now. They're, they're, they're just. They deserve to be better and better than an eight seed. They are a very, very good basketball team. They're not just a Cinderella. They're a team that has a chance to make a legitimate run to win a national title. They're going to have a tough time with a Gonzaga or a Baylor, but they can hang and play with and beat anybody. They showed that when they just kind of manhandled the U of I. If I'm not mistaken, of the 16 remaining teams, they are fifth favorite in terms of betting odds to win the national title, which is crazy. But if there's a season that it's going to happen, It'll it's the season that the Blue Bloods missed out. It's the season that the Pac-12 goes crazy weekend one. It's the season that the Big Ten disappears. It's mm-hmm. essentially bizarro world Jerry right now. Like it's bizarro Seinfeld yep. world right now where like everything Arkansas is a three team, seed just blow the doors off it like alabama is a problem like what are we talking about i was um, i watched but, that now i haven't watched a ton of alabama i watched most of oh, the, they've been uh, great they've been I, great all season. i watched I'm i not, knew they've been good all season like i watched the game against maryland like those guys when they get hot they do not miss they were shout out to my guy. they were hitting everything shout out to my guy the coach avery johnson uh who works with us over at cbs sports hq who's been on the call for a bunch of these games but he was also the alabama head coach um, got fired, I believe, two years ago. Got let go, but prior, like these are all his recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're uh, we're patting him on the back big time here for putting this team together. Um, that is seeing the fruits of his labor um, as tournament time rolls on. But yeah, it, I think we could talk about like these teams that don't belong or these teams that are surprising us. But it's made for such great entertainment. It's made. I know it's blown up everybody's brackets, and it's Who probably cares? cost a lot of people. Blows everybody. Probably cost bro. a lot of people a lot of money at the wagering window, but you know that's on you. Um, it is unbridled entertainment, and like when you can come into a game not really knowing what to expect, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's yeah, been a lot of fun. Now I think there is one thing that we we watching this tournament. We're saying it's kind of the bizarro tournament, bizarro year. Things are happening that aren't supposed to, and all that. What has happened that seems to happen just about every year, every other year, is Syracuse kind of sneaking in this year a double-digit seed. And 
it's just death taxes in the two three zone. It's there. It confuses teams. You, you watch the West Virginia game. I'm not sure how much you saw that if you're traveling, but like obviously West Virginia caught on eventually. But it's a Bob Huggins coach team who's seen that two three zone, or Bob Huggins at least has seen it a million times. They couldn't score to start the game, West Virginia, and and they had Syracuse had. Buddy Beheim, obviously the coach's kid who's on fire playing as good at basketball as anybody. That's just it's it's like no matter where they are, it's every other year Syracuse is going to get in the tournament. They're going to two three zone you to hell, and they're going to have one guy that just goes absolutely off and carries the team. Yeah, West Virginia was like a, a very in vogue pick to make mm-hmm. the final four. I feel like and. Syracuse until the last week of the season didn't know if they were going to be in. Um, and Hug, excuse me, not Huggy, um, Beheim came Bayheim. out after first round and said, like, this is a team that's still getting better right now. We have not had the practice time. We have not had this. We have not had that. It's been a weird season. But when we get to this time of the year, we know what the expectation is. And they're living up to that expectation. Now, am I worried that Houston might shoot at 60% from three and and beat Syracuse by 25 next round? Perhaps. It's very but, possible. You know, that's the weakness to the two three zone if you can figure it out. No one's figured it out just yet. I think um, I think that Syracuse is a live dog in that one, no doubt. But uh, I don't know a Syracuse Loyola Chicago Elite Eight matchup. Is that what we're in store for here, Matt? That would be very possible. I, I, I I'd like that. Sign me up. I don't. I'm down for anything this year. But I, it, one two teams, I guess I should say we haven't mentioned, which we probably should because they have been the best teams I think bar none so far. Gonzaga, who has just kind of stormed yeah. through everybody, they appear to be. I mean, granted, it's been a 16 and 8 seed Oklahoma, but they have not really sweat once. And Baylor, I thought, after a little bit of a slow start against Wisconsin, just absolutely showed us why they are also, you know, the co favorite, whatever second favorite. No, Gonzaga is the favorite. Baylor, I think, is just yeah. behind him. But uh, yeah. th- those guys have looked very impressive early. Those yeah, are the Gonzaga's- two teams that are kind of living up to it. Gonzaga's looking like they're on a tier all alone right now. And, um, that's not to say that they won't get caught, that they won't get tripped up, but they're unbelievable. They've played fantastic. They've lived up to expectation. They're undefeated. I mean, what, what, what else can you say about them other than that's their biggest opponent right now is the mm-hmm. weight of perfection on their shoulders. And uh, I, we had Mark Few on the show to, last week right before uh, the tournament started. And um, one, he called me a handsome devil. So yeah, Ryan, right. if, if you listened to the podcast last week, which you didn't, Ryan McGuffey and I actually decided we we're going to fade Gonzaga because their coach had poor taste. Because he has poor taste. Gotcha. Yes. Um, well, as you've seen, uh, two rounds no, in, we'll see. Nose up to you. They got uh, Mark a tough knows, crate Mark Hugh, here. Mark Hugh knows how to call him. Um, but no, I, I asked him about just this weight of perfection, like how much has it been talked about, how much has it been addressed? And he said, you know, we really didn't talk about it at all during the season after they survived Baylor, excuse me, after they survived BYU in the conference championship game and cut down the nets, they sat down in the locker room and said, Hey boys, we're perfect, but we're going to go one at a time from here. That was it. They put it to bed and they're just trying to go one and know each game is kind of the thought process. And I mean, with the depth that they have, like drew timmy and ayayi and the guard play that they mm-hmm. get it's just it's just, they're gonna be a really really tough team it's gotta be someone's gotta catch gonzaga on an off night in all possible ways for them to go down because outside of baylor no one is really even in their stratosphere in terms of talent i don't think and baylor's really strong but baylor worried me with their final week of the season when they lost to kansas mm-hmm. and then got tripped up by oklahoma, oklahoma state, state in the conference title game even prior to that kansas loss um they were in a 
just an absolute battle with Iowa State, um, their game prior to that loss to Kansas. And, like, Iowa State went 0-18 in conference play and had the lead on them with, like, three and a half minutes to play. So I, Baylor has some kinks in the armor that worries me still. I don't see any kinks in the armor right now with Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I think looking at the kind of who's left, they're obviously the, the favorite and should be the best team left. A team like Alabama, if they get as hot as they did against Maryland, can beat anybody because they can just shoot the lights out of the basketball. So I think it would take an effort kind of like that, like a like a 50% effort from three, where you're just not really missing all that often. That, that, that would be the team that beats Gonzaga. But like you said, there's just there's not a weakness there. Everyone they throw on the floor is really good, and they're just they're so they play so well fundamentally. And I swear to God, I was watching their game against Oklahoma, and they had. The most insane, like their guys down low are having the most insane wor- footwork, spin moves, just kind of weird angle tosses off the backboard, and it was finding its way in every single time. And that's just it, they 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 know how to play down low. It's it was fun to watch. It was I like the kid on the playground that's just like throwing around turnaround jumpers and like just kind of underhand around his head. Yeah. It's like how'd that go in? How'd you know that was going to drop? I think of what's what's oftentimes. The teams that make it to the Final Four or the teams that win the championship have two things. They either have a ton of senior leadership or upperclassmen leadership, guys that have been in those moments before, or they have young lottery-bound players or Mm -hmm. NBA-bound players, guys who are going to be maybe not starters, maybe not lottery guys, but guys who are going to be on teams for a very long time. NBA players, first-round type draft picks. Gonzaga has a beautiful mixture of both. Um, Drew Timmy being a sophomore, kind of a young buck, but he's going to get drafted somewhere in in the middle of the first round. Jalen Suggs is a freshman. He's going to be a lottery guy. I mean, he's absolutely Yeah, he's really good. They're looking for guards in the NBA. He's going to be there. Andrew Nembhard is going to be a back end of the draft type guy, but he's a junior, has that has that true junior experience. Corey Kispert is a senior, six foot seven, been in these moments, probably going to get drafted late in the first round as well. Um, Drew Timmy, I mean, Joel Yai, he's a junior, probably going to get drafted mid first round. I'm like, yeah, Suggs might be the only lottery type talent on their team, but they have that lottery talent mixed with seniors and juniors with the experience of having been there before and even having the taste of falling short of expectation. I just feel like it's the perfect chemistry, perfect alchemy of what you want in a championship team. And you need that if you're trying to become the first team since 1974 to go undefeated. It doesn't just happen. All right. So give me, we we, we probably talked about all we can do here, exhausted our NCAA basketball options. Give me your final four preview here. Picks, I'm sorry. Because we got we're, we're in the Sweet 16, we got them all happening this weekend. Who's just, who, who are we talking about next week on the podcast? Is our final four? I'm probably keeping it chalk with Baylor and Gonzaga, because um, coming out of that other elite, that would be Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Let's say Arkansas ends Oral Roberts' magical run, and then Baylor goes to the final four out of that Arkansas Baylor matchup. So I'm going to call Baylor out of the South, uh, out of the Midwest. You got Loyola, Chicago, Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. I'm sorry. I'm not afraid of anyone. Give me the ramble. Ramble on. Freaking ramble on. So I'm going to say Baylor, Loyola, Chicago. Out of the East, I'm looking at an Alabama-Michigan Elite Eight matchup, and I think Bama might be too athletic. Um, So I'm going to say Alabama, Loyola, Chicago, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Uh, I was kind of thinking about going that route too, but I'm not going to to keep out of the interest of keeping things a little bit different. I do like Gonzaga. Um, 
I like, I think Baylor wins, but I think Arkansas, I think Baylor and Arkansas, I think both advance. And I think Arkansas gives them a real run for their money. I just, I, I like the way they play. I like the way they're coached. I think they got a really nice balance of young guys and kind of transfers they brought in that have kind of meshed really well together. I also like Loyola. I'm going to go Florida State out of that uh, lower left region. I don't know which, re- uh, East, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the name right there. Um, lower, we'll accept lower left. We'll accept lower left. I don't know. They're, they're long. They're athletic. They haven't really, granted, they haven't really been in that tough matchup yet, which Michigan in all likelihood will be. But I just, I love the way they're coached. I love the way they play. I think they play a great team game. And I, I think of anyone left, any, it, that region to me is the most, uh, one, any one of those four can advance. I'm going to go with the one that I think is probably the best coached. So I'm going to go with, with Florida State. All right. Um, we hope you enjoy another weekend of college hoops. Uh, we'll did you like the this, Did you like the Friday to Monday? I kind of love the love the Friday to Monday. But the only thing I didn't like about the Friday to Monday is that now we're just a Saturday Sunday, and I know there's just not enough games to spread out. But like, it just feels like I don't know. I want more. I want yeah, more. Give I me know. more. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I love the Friday to Monday. Made for an interesting Monday. I know people probably had to be back at work and whatnot, but um, I was off no, Monday, thought, so it was great. I thought it was absolutely awesome. I was working, but it was the perfect, like, welcome back. To, yeah. Hey, um, you got to come back to work, but here's a whole bunch of basketball. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. Um, speaking of basketball, let's move it to the, to the professional level here. Kind of an interesting time in the NBA, sort of the doldrums of the season out of the all-star break and teams jockeying for position. Yes, but, I mean, where have all the stars gone? Steph's down with a tail, uh, uh, tailbone injury. Shouldn't be a long time, but Steph's out. Uh, LeBron's out for an indefinite amount of time. With he broke really a fracture. Ugly, fractures. I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I don't think there were any fractures. I didn't oh, need I any fractures. Like, okay, good. No, high, like severe fracture. high ankle sprain, which could still be, <clears throat> shit, two months. Yeah. Um, he, we might not see him until the final week of the regular season. Like When they say indefinitely, they're not even putting a timetable on it. You know that there's some serious work to be done oh, in yeah. rehabilitation. LeBron's down. Joel Embiid is down with a knee bone bruise after hyperextending his knee. Uh, KD is still down with that lingering hamstring injury. Kyrie's home with personal reasons right now. Like, it seems like just about every team. Like, those are MVP favorites Mm -hmm. when you're talking about LeBron James, Joel Embiid, and... I mean, I, I put Steph on that list, but the, Vegas hasn't really bumped Steph up that list much of anywhere because of the Warriors' struggles. But um, looking at the MVP conversation right now, kind of opens the two. door. Kind of opens the door for and, and odds wise, Vegas thinks Nikola Jokic is going to be some like like all of a sudden be some easy to vote for a guy. His game's just not easy to vote for. It, yes, he's dominant. He's going out there. Putting I 30, love watching him play. I watch fifteen. And I know I do too, but. It's not, it's not what the NBA is right now. It's not flashy enough. It's not going to get the votes from those who have them. It, it, it just simply isn't. His name and his game do not garner the votes that they should. Yes, it's a disservice, but I don't think he should be the odds-on favorite to win the award right now. I think with the guys that have gotten injured, uh, Embiid was having an amazing season. He was my favorite to do so. But right now, it's hard not to look at Giannis. Like If he moves the Bucks into first in the East over the Nets – and regardless of what they're going to do in the playoffs, I just think that he is the best player in the world right now. He is the most valuable player in the league. And if LeBron's down and Joel is down, yeah, it's probably him. I like for a value pick right now, James Harden at 10 to 1. Because if Kyrie's out and if KD's out 
and it's James Harden's team with Blake Griffin, and he's keeping them at first place in the East and continuing to go crazy night in and night out. That's my MVP. What? Uh, why? And I didn't catch what you said. Is what's wrong with KD? How long is he out? All that? Um, it, that's been really weird. That's uh, that's been just it's been, been a hamstring injury. It's been um, lingering. Is, is it very possible with him? It's just sort of like maintenance because I, I I know. Yeah, but it's it's gone on for a long time to be maintenance at okay. this point. So I, I, I'm. I'm thoroughly concerned about the status of that hamstring. I get what you're saying with Nikola Jokic and, not, and maybe shouldn't be the odds-on favorite because the game isn't flashy enough and all that. But, like, man, if you're watching those Nuggets games, which, again, that also probably hurts him, but not a lot of people are because he's playing yeah. for the Denver Nuggets. That's not the flashiest team. He doesn't have the flashiest game. But if you watch the Denver Nuggets, he is – I, I think for my money right now, he is playing the best basketball of anybody in the NBA. He can do literally everything. Obviously, he's not bringing the ball up the court, but he can distribute. He's rebounding. He can score from anywhere. And he's kind of carrying a team that is not quite living up to the expectations around him. And if you want to talk most valuable, um, I, that's always the age-old debate. Is it the best yeah. player, the most valuable one? To me, it's uh, the yeah, best yeah, player. You have to have Harden up there, too. But I, I think Jokic is playing as good of basketball as just about anybody right now. And yeah, yeah, that, you, you also that's you hard have to, to argue with Harden up there. The only uh, the only argument against Jokic again is the optics. It's just it's flat footed. It's slow. It's amazing. It's efficient. It's old school. I love watching it just like you do. But it does not have the window dressing that a lot of MVP games do at this point. It's not as explosive is the word I'm looking for here. I just I, – I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just hate that that's a thing, and I think yeah. that's wrong. He's playing the best basketball. I'm not saying he's you're wrong. It, I'm saying it's wrong. I'm saying the, I'm <laughs> saying the thought – not because it's not your thought process, but that thought process I think yeah. is wrong. He is playing as good of basketball in, in a conference that's you – know, the Western Conference is always incredibly difficult. He's pretty much carrying a team to a fifth spot, and he is – doing it on a nightly basis with it carrying that seven foot frame around too isn't yeah. all that easy. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun race down the end. I think with all the injuries, you're right. I think it's going to com- come down to Harden, Jokic and I, Giannis is going to be there just about every year because as long as he's putting up numbers, he has the name recognition. He has the brand. I just think there might be a little MV, there might be a little MVP fatigue there from voters, you know, that's, back-to-back MVPs, that is, so that's the argument. third straight. Um, what's is that a reward for doing absolutely nothing in the playoffs? Like, how do you how do you reward a guy uh, falling short of play? And I know that has nothing to do with the the vote, but we could say all of these things have nothing to do with the vote. But they are the, they are the biases mm-hmm. in which voters approach the vote with. I guess Bi- would be biases. I thought it was biases. Biases. I think it's biases. 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 Yeah, I don't think it's C's. Biasav, Biasage, yeah, I don't know. Biasai, we'll go with Biasai. That. Yeah, Matt, we got a couple more things to talk about here. Little UFC, little PGA Tour. We are a golf pod, so let's go it's there true. first. It's March Madness, and look at the synergy by the PGA Tour having the Dell match. Really, play. really fitting synergy. Um, I filled out a bracket with some guys. Uh, had a little bit of fun with it. Want to take a look at the bracket here? I mean, some huge names in the field. Interesting. They kind of do like World Cup pool play and then through the first three rounds you acquire points through pool pool play top 
scorer in each pool comes out and then they go into traditional match play over the weekend. Um, I just want to get your, your picks here. Uh, I know you're taking a look at a, at a bracket right now. Oh, yeah. Your final four. Let's just do, we did final four picks uh, just a couple minutes ago for the tournament. Let's do final four here for the Dell match play. I'm going to lead us off. My final four, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Paul Casey, Cam Smith. What's the, um, I'm interested, what's the, Why'd you go Paul Casey? Just I went feeling? Paul Casey because if you look at his group of four, Webb Simpson, Paul Casey, Mackenzie Hughes, and Taylor Gooch, it's either going to be Webb Simpson or Paul Casey. I just I, I lean Euro. I lean Euro okay. in match play setting. So you get Paul Casey, and I got Lee Westwood coming out of that other group. So Paul Casey versus Lee Westwood, a classic European, European matchup. I pick Paul Casey there. Then it would be Paul Casey versus Dustin Johnson in my bracket. And I think at a certain point of this format, Dustin Johnson will lose interest. And I think it's in that Paul Casey matchup. That's, I got a, good, Paul Casey, that's a good thought. I like that. I got Paul Casey moving on from there into the final four uh, to face Bryson DeChambeau. I pick Bryson because Bryson is – yeah, I also pick. I think Bryson's going I mean, there too. I mean, I, Bryson's I, my winner. To, I pick Bryson to win it all. Uh, Bryson's my winner. Period. Um, in, in this thing, uh, I got him beating Justin Thomas in the final, and then Paul Casey, Camp Smith. I, I felt like I needed a sleeper. I needed a Loyola Chicago in my final four, and, and Cam Smith is that. Maybe Paul Casey's my Alabama, if you will. Okay. And then and then Bryson's my Gonzaga, and Justin Thomas is my Baylor. Ooh, that fits really nice. I like. I also like. I mean, it's it, with the way those guys are playing, it's hard to pick against Bryson or Justin Thomas. So I'm going to have yeah. those guys in it as well. I like John Rom. I uh, other than no other reason than he's been playing pretty well this year, and mm-hmm. I don't think he's a guy that's going to lose focus. I, I they just he's he's obviously hot or cold with his emotions, but if he's if he's feeling it, I like him in just about any match play scenario. I just I got I, I like I got his, Rombo, I like I got Rombo losing a Cam Smith in the Elite Eight, so okay. I got him going a ways too. The only thing that had me leaning away from Rom is he talked with the media this week and he's already thinking about it. His wife is pregnant. She's yeah, but this is his. This expecting. is his. This is, his, this is, this is it. it. Yeah, because he's got. He's go. not going to be able to focus at the Masters because she's her due date's literally the Sunday of the Masters, so he might have to leave this and that. So I just don't know if a this guy is who's, a guy a guy whose mental wavers regularly um, has a lot on his mind right now. So that kind of made me fade him a little bit. Um, and I got to pick one more here. Do, okay. Is there a, so you got, is there you a got certain Rom Bryson pick from here? Because again, I know you're explaining to me how they advance. I'm still. It's so. Do, no, you just got you pick any player, and if your guy okay, doesn't so, advance out of group play, then so it's basically you said they're picking up points out of group play, and then they're they're reseeded yes. as such out of there. Okay, so I, I got one. Um, more no, they're not reseeded. They come out of those groups into those. No, but like, okay, yeah, that the case. so like the winner of the so like the winner of the Dustin Johnson, Kevin Na, McIntyre, uh, Adam Long group will play the winner of the Sun J M, Victor Perez, Mark Leishman, Russell Henley. No matter if Russell Henley wins it and it's one versus fifty, gotcha. okay. they don't recede. It would be Dustin Johnson versus Russell. Gotcha. Henley. Okay. Um, you know, I hate to do it. I'm going to put Patrick Reed in there. I think Patrick Reed. Yeah, makes I mean, a it's run. a good. He pick. loves playing match play. I don't like him, but he's a good golfer. He seems to thrive in these types of scenarios. Obviously, we've seen his success in the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, uh, give me give me Patrick Reed as my fourth there. I, I struggled with that one. I had Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas in the Elite Eight matchup, mm-hmm. and I just think you know, guy who really thrives in match play, like you said in P. Reed, but guy who's probably playing the best golf in the world right now. Small sample size. JT, Wait, but- so can JT and Reed not be in the Final Four? No, they're in the same. They're on the same. What bracket are you looking? I'm looking at? at. I'm looking at what you gave me. So Justin Thomas and Patrick Reed will face each other in the Elite Eight. They're in the same region. I'm, oh, they're I'm the, not looking at a bracket then. I'm looking at just like a list of the groups. 
Well, you're you're annoying. You're annoying. It's not very nice. So wait, who did you pick? Who are your four people? Well, I had Bryson. I had I, so I can't do Justin then. I have to no. have Reed or Justin. All right, though I'm sick yeah. with Justin. Okay, well, you're sticking I, with Justin. Wait, you sticking radio. with Justin? Yeah, I'll stick with Justin. Oh, okay. See, so, I could so I clicked the link you sent me on my phone, and the phone just like literally just gave me like a list of like groups in a, in a straight list. Now I click it on my computer. I have a bracket. So give me are a you second done? here. Are you done yet? I got Justin. Okay, I got Justin. I, okay, so I need someone here out of this bottom right. No, that's Rom. I got Rom there. I need you got Rom. You got Justin. I got Bryson. Okay, you I need, need someone side top down. left here. Give me someone top yeah. left. Who do I like? Who do I like? You got DJ. Um, you got Kevin Nye. You got Mark Leishman, Paul Casey, Lee Westwood. Man, I, Bryson, hate pick, I hate picking him because he's playing such Fino. a boring game of golf. But I think Webb Simpson. I just I think he plays a, a steady game. Uh, he's kind of boring, but like you said, usually in these events, you kind of have someone that's not that big of a name that, that makes a run towards the final. Give me Webb Simpson. Um, Pick just, to win it? I, I like his steady. Uh, give me Rom. Give me John Rom. John Rom to win it? All right. I like it. That's your uh, golf talk. A little bit convoluted, but uh, here we are. We, we got gotta, there we eventually. We got to get our picks in. So you're picking Rom. I'm picking Bryson. Uh, it should be fun to watch the match play go down in Austin, Texas. Uh, you do get they a do this in Austin every year? Or is that something? I believe so. Last, last few years, actually. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. We do have buyers, so. Uh, let's jump in. I'm going to start because I feel like yep. we do this every time there's a big UFC event. We talked a little bit about UFC 260 a few weeks ago, um, but again, that was a few weeks ago. So I'm going to ask you, buy or sell, Joe, just UFC 260. Give me some give me some fights to look for. Obviously, you got uh, Stipe and, and Naganu. That's your main yeah, event, I mean, heavyweight title fight. Give me some some betting picks. I, I know you, you're on there talking it's a heavy with a bunch weight, of guys. It's, I mean, it's a heavyweight main event with like a ton of history on the line between these two guys mm-hmm. it's kind of like Stipe the long established veteran going against the one punch power Francis Ngannou like Francis Ngannou's never gone longer in a fight than a minute and 11 seconds like he's just absolutely pulverized guys early in so don't miss Stipe, the start of this one but Stipe's uh, a different beast I mean I, I don't want to be general but like Stipe is probably the most complete heavyweight um, in terms of what he can do in the octagon. So I'm expecting just a war in that one. Uh, the co-main is a welterweight bout, not a title fight, but uh, Tyron Woodley's always fun to watch. Can't tell you much about Vincente Luke. Uh, Sean O'Malley. I, I really am interested in a Sean O'Malley. Thomas this is, this is his return. He, he, yeah, since he, he got hurt, hurt foot, didn't he? He hurt that foot and has been talking a lot of trash and everyone was starting to, you know, position him. Oh, he's the next Connor. He, he's, mm-hmm. his striking's amazing. His movement's otherworldly. And then he suffers that loss. Um, this is his comeback moment after that injury. So we'll see what uh, Sugar Sean can do. Outside of that, not a ton jumps off of this card at me. Um, but that's enough for me to buy um, would be Sean O'Malley and then that heavyweight fight. So a um, little bit weighted towards the last three bouts. But, um, you know, we always get a moment or two out of the early action uh, that goes yeah. crazy viral because it's a crazy knockout. I, I mean, I've just really over the last year and a half because work has called for it for me to be a little bit more knowledgeable than I previously mm-hmm. was in, in the UFC realm. I've really, really – and even in my time in Sacramento, being around those guys and being around Uriah – I've really taken to the sport, and I think that um, you know I'm okay with a card that only has a couple marquee names on it now because I'm just 
I'm enjoying the matchups and I'm enjoying getting to know the guys that maybe don't jump off uh, the, the fight sheet at you. You know, it seems to be, I think that seems to be a growing sentiment towards a lot of casual UFC fans. Obviously not all of us are in the same position as you are where you're, you know, on air talking about it. But I, I find myself when I see this big main event, main event, wanting to get the whole card and like start seeing who's fighting at the bottom of the card there. You start learning more about these guys because I think the UFC is growing and I think people are taking more and more of an interest in it. I know my brother kind of feels the same way. Um, mm-hmm. So give me, uh, it's, it's usually Mike asking for it, um, but give me, give me a, a, a pick parlay here. A nice little, what, what Joe's gambling uh, bet sheet might look like bet slip. Okay. Um, this is going to be kind I did of not off. expect Nagano to be a favorite. I did not, uh, did yeah, not know no, that. I, very I'm slight gonna, favorite. It's like a 51 49 thing here, but slight yes, favorite. I, I'm going to take Stipe in that, matchup i just think he finds a way like stipe his chin is so strong to almost a fault we've seen it in those cormier Mm -hmm. fights that like it just takes a lot to put him down and i think that francis is going to pressure him early and if stipe can withstand that early flurry it's his fight because we haven't really seen francis's other um the other aspects of his game challenge that much, and Stipe will challenge each and every one of them. So I'm taking Stipe uh, on top of a Tyron Woodley, and I'm going to stay away from that Sean O'Malley fight. So if you're looking for a three fight, uh, if you're looking for a three fight um, parlay here, I'm going to give you Stipe. I'm going to give you Woodley, and if I'm going to take you to that uh, that women's flyweight bout between Chilean uh, Robertson. Mm-hmm. Miranda Mack. I believe Robertson's the favorite there. I'm not looking at she's the a plus, She's plus 140, so it's uh, Maverick's close one, fight. 165, so kind of right down the middle. All right, well, I'm going to give you Robertson there as more plus money in my parlay. So give me Robertson, Stipe, and, uh, and Tyron Woodley. So it sounds like, too, if you just want to bet on that like that main event fight, maybe taking a, a Stipe via TKO or via knockout or via submission in the third round or Stipe to win like the third round. Yeah, and, be, and honestly, he fights, find yeah. some value. And honestly, you don't even need like usually these title bouts one way or the other have heavy favorites, um, mm-hmm. at least favorites that make you shy away from the favorites. Like, oh, I really want to bet so and so, but he's a minus two fifty favorite. How am I going to make any money here? Because these odds are so even, you could just straight up bet. Yeah, like you're betting the bulls, like you're betting anybody on a given night as a short favorite or a short dog, and just bet the main event straight up. I mm-hmm. think that presents an interesting proposition for this fight rather than having to slap three fighters together in a parlay or, or pick how it's going to go down. If I had to pick how it was going to go down between Nganu and, uh, and Miocic, I think third round finish by Stipe. Is, is Stipe I'm just going to pick the round. I'm just going to okay. pick the round. I, I'm, I don't know how it goes down. I, I want to say submission, but that would be wild if it was a submission in a heavyweight fight. That'll pay you big money. That there you go. That's your betting picks preview primer for UFC 260. Uh, what else we got here? My turn on a buy or sell, Matt. Buy or sell. Uh, we're starting to think NFL draft. We're starting to talk about quarterbacks, the class that is. Um, and I think that the more and more we talk about it, the more and more likely it becomes that there's going to be an early run on quarterbacks. Obviously, we know Trevor Lawrence is going to go one, but does does New York fall in love with Zach Wilson at two? And then does Justin Fields get traded up? Or like, how is it going to go down? Buy or sell, Matt? Four quarterbacks will be gone in the first eight picks. I buy it. And we, this happens every year in the NFL draft. We start, to, especially the, obviously the ones where we have, you know, it's it's a quarterback heavy first round as opposed to saying, you know, there's, there's two or three, but... 
there's going to obviously be one taken at one and then somebody's going to jump up and get somebody or take somebody they thought was going to be there at two or three and then teams are going to panic and jump off. It's it's just like the the Baker-Darnold-Rosen draft. Obviously, Rosen went 12th and that was the last one in that run, but he wasn't, I don't think, valued as highly as these guys. Um, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's quarterback-driven draft as always and you're going to see, you know, Carolina's probably going to trade up for someone. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else that we didn't see coming uh, trades up for a quarterback as well. So, yeah, I, I think you're going to see Lawrence, uh, Wilson, Fields, and probably Trey Lance all go in those, you know, top first eight to maybe ten picks, but yeah, is probably a good number. And I think someone's going to, uh, not that it's in the first eight picks by any means, but someone's going to reach on Mac Jones because mm-hmm. his pro day stuff looked really good. Well, that's um, also what starts happening too. When you have those first fly off the board, then, you know, I don't know whoever's picking uh, you've, the Raiders are at 17. Maybe they want to surprise take quarterback. They, they, they start to be like, oh, well, we can't wait till the second round to get our guy. We got to go get our guy now. So you're, you're going to start to see stuff like that. I'm Washington. Not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if front offices are looking at it this way, but I'm not crazy about next year's class. I'm not crazy about next year's class at all. I mean, Sam Howell. That's pretty much uh, Spencer Rattler is kind of the... Spencer, I think he's my favorite out of the group. Yeah. But it's like Sam Howell, the kid from SC, Keaton Slovis. Bo Nix is going to be a late-round guy out of Auburn. I mean, we thought he was going to be the next second coming. But um, I think he might put together a nice nice season here in Auburn. I, I wouldn't say he's terrible, but like... Uh, the kid from Iowa State probably is going to get a lot of love with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has 14-year NFL backup like Chad Henney written all over. <laughs> I see he is going to be – Chad Henney's going to retire in the near future, and Brock Purdy's going to carry that mantle. It's a lot of – it feels like a lot of mid-round guys next year. Yeah. That's why I'm already 2023 DJ Uyangale to the Chicago Bears. Like, let's just do it. Print the let's shirts. Do it. Print the shirts. Maybe that'll be uh, our first Moose and Rune shirt. Is it, is it, yeah, DJ Uyangalale, like Bears jersey shirt. With the phonetic, with just like the phonetic uh, pronunciation of it. I like that. I like that a yeah. lot. Write that down. Uh, somebody keep that down. Someone, someone write that, that down. Remind us that in two years. Take us back to our uh, to our literary uh, roots here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, got one for me? Yeah, I want to talk. We talked NBA. We got the trade deadline coming up here. Uh, for, forgive me. I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I know it's coming up very shortly. I believe at the end of the month. Um. A lot of talk about Ship and Laurie Markinen off here, especially the last couple games. He seems to be uh, falling out of favor with Billy Donovan a little bit. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Alonzo Ball's another name that that's being shopped around in New Orleans because of his restricted free agent status. Buy or sell uh, from both ends here. A, a Lonzo for Lowry uh, swap of restricted free agents at the deadline. I sell it. Uh, I'm still very intrigued by Lowry. I'm still very intrigued by what he could be in this league with that size and that skill set. Has it panned out as quickly as we wanted to? No. But what does what does the acquisition of Lonzo Ball do for your team right now? Pers- oh, you how much, me? How much? How much better? Yeah. How much better does he make your team now? I in the current construction. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't frequently watch a lot of new orleans pelicans basketball the couple games i've watched of them when they played the bulls this year i've for the most part like what i've seen i actually only think he played one i think the other one he was hurt um but i I think the argument here is the bulls are lacking an like a natural true point guard um and whether or not lonzo is the answer at that for the future we don't know but he's probably the best he'd be the best option of anybody they have now i 
We like Kobe White. Kobe White's a nice player. Kobe White, I don't think, is a point guard in the NBA. He also plays way too inconsistently. Granted, he was only 20. He's not looking like a guy who's going to be setting up and running an offense. He's going to be looking like a guy who's a volume scorer off the bench. Who can, he, he can shoot the lights out of the ball when he's hot, but he's not a guy who's really a distributor who's running the offense all that well. People are kind of thinking here, and I tend to agree that the Bulls are a, a true point guard, a distributor, a guy that can bring the ball up, run the offense, get the ball where it needs to go. But that away from being a playoff team this year, and whether or not that, that's their end goal or they want to get a better pick, I'm not really sure. But they might also see Lonzo as a long-term fit. And I just, the more I watch of Laurie Markinen, I, I think four years is enough. I think we've kind of seen what he is. He's a guy who can't stay healthy for a full season. He's a guy who has no interest in playing defense with bigs. He's seven feet, but there's there's just no interest in contesting anybody down low of size. He's just kind of a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. He's a much better version of Nikola Mirotic, in my opinion. Yeah. He's not I, baby Dirk, sadly. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know roster-wise what Lonzo does for you in the short term. Or the long term, really. I, I think I, don't the, know. I, I think with with Lowry, I think it, it, he hits uh, the the one milestone that's going to make with the but with the amount of time he minutes he's played this year, his his, his contract value is restricted. Uh, free agency contract value went up. I think it's more of knowing they don't really want to pay him what he's going to command because of his restricted free agency status and seeing if they can get a guy like Lonzo in here, a point guard in a change of scenery in a new spot on a new team that might, that needs a player that can use if Lonzo's skill set is maximized, the, the bulls could really use that. And it's more of seeing like, Hey, is he a fit? And if not, then he's not. And that's fine. We didn't really, I can see that we weren't yeah. going to hold on to Lori anyways, whatever. I just don't want to get stuck with paying Lowry Markin and, you know, four years, 80 million or whatever the hell it's going to cost because he's not that's worth fair. that money. Yeah. Uh, do I have another one for you? Yes, I do. Yes. Um, you know, we saw Patrick Kane's thousandth game on the road, and then we saw the celebration here on uh, what was it Tuesday night last um, night, yeah, at, at the UC. Kind of weird, kind of muted, but um, he's not only celebrating these milestones in his career; he's continuing to play at this level. Um, is it a heart trophy leader type level? Buy or sell Patrick Kane as a leader in the clubhouse uh, at the current juncture of the season? I, it's really tough to call him the odds on leader. Uh, he's not the odds on leader, according to points, bet who has not, who now is Connor McDavid. It's hard to argue with what Connor McDavid's doing this year. He's got 60 points, um, to lead the league over his, his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl is second with 50. But I also think having that teammate up there, that's that good might take away from Connor's case just a little bit. I also think that what Kane's doing a in Chicago and B with you with a young team within a with a young team that had absolutely zero expectations losing everybody uh, not everybody but you know losing Jonathan Taves losing Kirby Doc having no expectations and the fact that Kane is doing what he's doing factoring in I think about 50% of the team's goals this year um, he's not going to win the scoring race and it history has shown that usually the guy that wins the scoring race ends up winning the MVP but there's a reason that Patrick Kane is second right now. He's second best odds, plus 375. Connor McDavid is all the way down to minus 215, which is nuts. There's just no value there. Um, yeah. 
there have been examples of guys who don't lead the league in scoring and that still win the MVP. Taylor Hall did it with New Jersey, I believe it was mm-hmm. in 2016, where I think he finished you know third or fourth in the league in points. He didn't even hit hit the hundred point mark, but he led his team by like the next closest uh, next closest player on his team had like. 50 points he had 90 something so there are examples of if you drag your team to the playoffs and play at the level and oh by the way your name's patrick kane uh you're gonna have a chance There's name recognition there if, if you're betting on i mean if you're betting on it i think he is probably the best bet right now because austin matthews and mitch martyr the next two uh next two best odds and i just i think they're gonna take some votes away from each other and toronto is so deep and so good and playing such good at hockey that i don't think one guy is really going to jump out and be like the the guy that's got them there. If the Blackhawks make the playoffs, which is it's big if right now, they only have a two-point lead in that fourth spot. But if they make the playoffs, it's hard to argue. Again, that we talked about with the NBA. comes back to value versus who's the best. Or, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, who, you know, who's most valuable. Patrick Kane is the most valuable player in the NHL. Whether or not the Hawks, Hawks make the playoffs, but if they do, he absolutely deserves to win the award, just whether or not Connor McDavid continues at this ridiculous pace, I think. Matt Rooney, huge define the award guy. I think that's define what we learned it. on this. Define I think the we award. Learned that on the on this podcast. Define the award. Um, Matt, that's all I got for you. You got anything for me? I don't think so. Um, all right. Yeah. No. All right. All right. Glad you, you had a good, good trip. trip. You did. Yeah. Absolute blast. Um, I've. I've really just come to the turn, come to terms with the fact that I need to retire and go on golf trips every weekend. I think that's really I where would, my head's at. You know, if you do that, tell me, and then I'll do it too. That's honestly, you know, everyone. Whenever there's like a big, like I don't, I'm not, I don't play the lottery. But when I go get gas and it's higher than 250 million, I say, give me a line of the whatever. And then you start talking when these big ones come around. Oh, what would you do with the money? What would you do with the money? You know what I do with the money? I just play golf. That's yeah. all I, I would just play golf. I'd go on a whole bunch of different golf trips and, and do yeah. a whole bunch of it's things. Like, and hey, who can make who can make the Thursday to Sunday this weekend? We're going to Pebble. Yeah, there you go. J- jump Ooh, on see board. Pebble open uh, opened up. Uh, yeah, a short little, course. Little short course. Little short. Speaking what's it of called? Golf the hay. Yeah, it's called the hay. Which yeah, I did because there's a lot of tall grass at Pebble. Is that is that why they're calling it that? I, I'd have to I look into the uh, I'd have to look into the naming, Whatever. the etymology uh, of the of the naming. But come on, like it's Pebble, it's got Tiger's name on it. It's time, it's time to go. Let's do it. I I you know I turn thirty next year, so we can do like a wow. happy thirtieth birthday, Matt. We're going to Pebble wow. Beach. Love Joe's that. paying for it. I absolutely love that. Yeah, but the the caveat was me winning the yeah me winning like, the lottery or yeah, yeah you could just I, I you know what. I've won the lottery already having you as my podcast partner. Matt. And that bad. is how we say goodbye on this episode 199 of the Moose and Roots podcast. Again, pound the mailbag. I already Next. tweeted it. I live tweeted in the pod. I multitask. Episode 200 is only as, only as long, is only as entertaining as you guys make it. So send us those questions, anything and everything. We it want to could break be it all five down. minutes long if you guys don't do your jobs. Sports, you want lifestyle, that? food, whatever you guys want. Don't don't tempt them with a the short. They, they might want that, man. I don't so think they do. Them. I don't think they do. All right. Bet. But for, but for now, kids say. that's going to do it for this episode 199 of the Moose and Roots podcast. For Matt, I am Joe. We will see you guys for episode 200, a seminal episode. The mailbag. I think we can play seminal then? If it's a seminal episode? Uh, it's a tough get. It's a tough get. We're gonna I'll, send him, I'll send him the link to the podcast. We gave him a shout out. They have to let us play. As always, for Matt, I'm Joe. Talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow. 
for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>